Welcome to the Ruthless Presidential Showcase brought to you by API. We are here with the governor, Chris Christie. Welcome oh, aboard, sir. I'm overwhelmed, sponsored and everything. I mean, <laughs> holy God, this is really, you guys are really getting high, high end now. <laughs> I mean, it looks different, right? This Not is only looks different, but sponsored by API. I, I'm glad, congratulations, <laughs> but wow. You don't think we're worthy of it? No, I think you're very worthy of it. I, I've just, I'm a little intimidated now. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, I I'm gonna tell. be back on my heels. <laughs> very easily intimidated, I could definitely tell. Anderson Cooper wasn't, you know, uh, you know, sponsored by anyone in particular. Yeah, well, that he talked about last night, like the AC three sixty something, but that's him. So I don't know if he was paying for that last night or who was. Well, you got the intimidating guy with sunglasses next to you too, which is a- yeah, I love that. He says to me, I, I he wears them because he doesn't want anyone to know him. <laughs> you know, he just leaves it right are, there. There, there, there are certain moves that are really low risk. <laughs> I, I'd Smug, say, uh, one of them. I, I'd say being a conservative is pretty tough these days, but I don't need to explain that to you. <laughs> All right. Oh, All right. Well, so so last time you were here, uh, you said you'd come back if you decided you'd run for president. Yes, I did. A man of your word. Here I am. Here you are. Here I am, right here in the nation's capital yeah. with, really, the voices of the conservative movement in America. Here we are. That's right. Look at us. And not only the voices of the conservative movement, but you actually have enough confidence to make people laugh, which... <laughs> yeah, well, we can't A lot do of that. these other folks can't really do that, but, you know... Everybody likes to yell at each other. We like a little different tact. Yes, but, but I think noticed, it's good. We noticed you did, too. You've got uh, some light humor. I enjoyed the CNN uh, uh, town hall format for you. I mean, you open your campaign with a town hall. It's almost cheating that you can do one right after that with CNN. That's right. It is cheating. And I'm going to continue to cheat if that's what it takes to win, Josh. So you framed your entire argument right from the jump as an argument of big versus small. Yep. Before we get into what constitutes that argument, I have to ask whether anybody tried to talk you out of the big vernacular. No, and I'll <laughs> tell you why. They, in fact, this is this is what why it's great, and you guys have been in this business, so you know. Yeah. When you have people who consult with you, have been with you forever, and my team in this race is the same team as I had in 2009. They not only liked it, they're like, let's lean into it. Oh, I love it. Let's make jokes about it. Yeah. Like, say, who else could do big better than me <laughs> in this race? <laughs> Name the person who could do big better than me. Well, I'm, Name the person who understands big better than me. <laughs> Name the person who can take big to a bigger level. <laughs> I have proven over and over again, Josh, you think I'm big? I can get bigger. I can- <laughs> That's the kind of president you're looking for? <laughs> ChrisChristie.com. Go right there. There's the website plug. Yes. We're like two minutes in. I love it. Um, all right. So let's talk about it, though. Yeah. Uh, big versus small, your argument. At every point in the country's history when we had a pivotal moment, and I think this is a pivotal moment given the competition with China uh, and the other circumstances we're dealing with domestically, economically, We've been lucky enough to have a president who, when confronted with going for the big solution, taking risk, making sacrifice, or going small and a little more safe, timid, careful, they pick big. Going all the way back to the revolution, the Civil War, World War II, Kennedy and the moonshot, Reagan, and do we coexist with the Soviet Union or do we take down the evil empire? Hmm. 
every one of those moments, we, we went big and it involved risk. And in many cases, like the revolution, like the civil war, like World War II, it involved sacrifice by the American people. But when we got to the uh, other side of it, Americans know how to win. Mm -hmm. And when we win those things, we become bigger, grander, stronger, and more of a leader and a voice in the world for what's possible if human beings decide I'm, it's worth taking risks to secure freedom, to secure liberty, to secure prosperity. Mm. And, and, and I think that's what this is about. And I think that we're in a politics right now that is so small. Think about the stuff we waste our time talking about. It's not that it's unimportant in and of itself, but compared to the economic security of our grandchildren's future, compared to whether or not communist China is going to be the dominant political movement in the world, or it's the freedom and liberty of the United States, compared to whether we're going to get urban kids and rural kids who have lousy educations to finally stand up for them with the teachers union and say, no, we're going to have a federal program for school choice. Mm -hmm. That's going to be in every corner of this country so that that education can lift them up and give them hope. Those are the big things we should be arguing about energy independence, which leads to so many other good things economically and diplomatically. Those are the big things we should be talking about and being daring on it. Except what we're wasting our time on is talking about, is it okay for, you know, Disney to oppose a bill in Florida um, and should they be penalized for it? And does that prove you're really a tough guy or does it just prove that you're not conservative in terms of the way you think government should operate? We're arguing about whether we won the 2020 election or not. Like, look, I'm pretty clear on this one. Joe Biden's rear end is in the bed at the White House tonight. That It has been since January 20th of 2021. I think that proves the point. We lost. We have leaders in this party who are who are aiming us to small because it continues to divide us and it makes us easier to dominate <laughs> politically. <laughs> let's go big. And going big means that we are going to strive for the very best that we can possibly be. And you need a leader who's willing to take the risk politically that goes along with that. And I learned it being in New Jersey. Like, if you're the Republican governor in an incredibly blue state, why would you waste any of your time on a small issue? Every chit you have, you got to go big. Because if you win, then you've actually accomplished something that's permanent, hmm. like pension reform, like education reform and opening more charter schools than anybody else in the state ever had, or like firing the entire Camden Police Department, getting a new police department in, and in the 10 years since then, instead of dealing with the police union, fire them. And murder rate in Camden in 2013, highest in America, today down 75%. Like, and those are things that Phil Murphy can't reverse, <laughs> right? Those are things he can't change. The small bore crap that we do is stuff that can be reversed like that when a new person comes in with a different philosophy. That's what America should be striving for, permanent, sustainable, systemic change. <laughs> so uh, you'd mentioned Disney, Specifically, when it comes to this issue of how there's almost been kind of an institutional capture of corporations, the same way there has been of academia and the media, that's kind of something that's animating the conservative movement in general, especially primary voters. Do you think that that's just something you could just say, I have nothing, you know? I no, I just don't think it's big. I think that it's important, but it's not going to change the course of the country. For instance, we talk about it animating what happens. Well, it animated Anheuser Bush 
and their decisions on Bud Light, right? <laughs> and do we need any government involvement there? The consumer said, I don't like that. I'm not buying your stuff anymore. To me, that's what conservatives do. Mm -hmm. We say, we don't want government solving that issue. The hell with that. I, the consumers, the citizens of this country, know when things have gone too far. You're seeing it with Bud Light. You're seeing it with Target. You're seeing it over and over again. Are they going to get everyone right? They're not. But do we really want government picking and choosing those things? Because let me tell you, when we open that seal and the Democrats then feel like it's open to do anything, yeah, this is their what they love to do. We're not gonna we're not gonna like what the results are. So I I think it's very important and smug, I do, but I don't think it's the kind of big things that will transform a nation. We should pay attention to it, we should be talking about it, but it's not what we should stake a presidency on, in my view. Hmm. So last time you were here, um you talked about how you you likely wouldn't get into this race if you thought the argument against the front runner Donald Trump was being prosecuted well. How about at all? <laughs> well, you guess you answered the question with your announcement. Now, obviously, what you just laid out is your theory of the case in terms of where you would go right. as president. Clearly, a piece of this as you get into it is a guy that's got 50 some odd percent of the primary vote right now. Um, and you don't feel like anybody's taking him out. No, they weren't. I mean, you guys watch closely. Yeah. Nobody was articulating it at all. Now, I saw that Nikki started to say a little bit yesterday after I got in and prosecuted the case against him um, with a lot of attention last Tuesday and did it again last night on the CNN town hall. And look, if other people want to join, then I'm all for it because I really do believe that he is the one certain pathway to defeat for the Republican Party mm -hmm. in November 24. Certain defeat so how much of it is this though sort of plowing i mean it does feel like you're plowing ground here and people are tucking in underneath showing that you can make these arguments that's okay that's what a leader does hmm. you know a leader is the man or woman who runs up the hill first with the flag knowing that it's likely you're going to get shot the question is they shoot me in the heart or the head or they get me in the leg <laughs> and for me if they get me in the leg no shot. A lot of flesh there. A lot of continue, flesh there. Continue to march. Continuing, right? And, and, and if there's a bunch of people behind me who are going, all right, he's still alive. He's almost going to take the flag away and plant it. Then they'll try to shoot me from behind to be able to get the flag. I get that that's a risk, but it's a risk I'm willing to take because that's this case has to be prosecuted. And, and look, we still don't know what's still left to come yeah you know i loved I, last week when the indictment was announced but not released you had so many people just immediately jumping to the outrageous the miscarriage of justice weaponization of the justice department and then friday it comes out and they start to read the facts and they go ooh, ooh, what he told his lawyers to lie he intentionally hid Dozens of boxes of documents from his own lawyer. A pretty tough indictment. Right. I mean, look, it is a tough indictment. And I guarantee you something, having done this for seven years, is that that's about a third of the evidence. Hmm. Oh, you never put all your evidence in the indictment, ever. Hmm. You, it's like, you know, it's, it, 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 it's like playing, playing poker. You know, certain cards are up, certain cards are in the hole. I can guarantee you they got cards in the hole that we don't know about. And my guess is 
that it is witnesses who have worked for him and who have worked at Mar-a-Lago and will be able to talk about specific moments when he was directing how to obstruct the return of these documents. And I also heard people say, this is horrible. I think Kevin McCarthy said this, that it's going to, what Justice Department has done is such a distraction to the nation. Okay, make that argument, except the Justice Department wouldn't be there but for his conduct. If he had returned the documents any time between February of 21 and August of 22 before the search, he would have never been charged. And the proof of that is they didn't charge him on one document pre-August 22. Yeah. No, it's an important distinction. All right, so all of this was avoidable. Now, let me be clear. Back in 2016, I was out there saying Hillary Clinton should be prosecuted. She should have been. Mm-hmm. What she did was also obstruction, was also mishandling of, of classified information, and she should have been prosecuted. And when she wasn't, Jim Comey should have been prosecuted. Because what he did was essentially hijack the Justice Department, tell Loretta Lynch to go out for lunch while he handled it. Yeah, I remember that. Right? Yeah. And here he is, the FBI director, telling us what should be prosecuted and what shouldn't, <laughs> as if he was the United States Attorney General. <laughs> she should have been prosecuted. I don't know all the facts of the Hunter Biden case, but what I've read, if it's true, leads me to believe that that prosecution should be coming. Mm-hmm. You can believe that and be angry about the fact that that hasn't happened. But you don't need to then use that, nor do I think you should, as an excuse to justify Donald Trump getting a free pass. If if, if these charges ultimately are proven true, and you know who knows, they say speedy trial, you know better than I what that means. I can't imagine that this is resolved by next winter, maybe. Maybe, we'll talk um, about that. But if it's true, if he's found guilty on anything, you know, the obstruction piece of it or the retention of the documents or any of that, is that, in your view, immediately disqualifying? Yes. I mean, look, I think he's disqualified now. I you, think the, you, I think even the, before the charge. Yes. I think the conduct itself disqualifies you. And the example I used on CNN last night was about both he and Biden, because I think they're both disqualified. If we had a Cuban Missile Crisis two years from now, and this is not a crazy analogy given what the Chinese are now trying to do and what they're setting up in Cuba. Do you think Joe Biden has the capacity? <laughs> Between 10 and 2, 10 right. a.m. and 2, 2 p.m. Yeah. He could really kill it during those <laughs> periods of time, right? He doesn't have the capacity to do it. And the question on Trump is, do you trust his judgment? Hmm? He's showing us his judgment. They are literally begging him to return the documents, letter after letter from the National Archives. Then they send a grand jury subpoena. That should get any normal person's attention. Nope. Why, why doesn't it? I mean, you've been around the guy a lot. Because he is so, he he's so overwrought that he lost to Biden. And I can't blame him. I mean, Joe Biden's never beat anybody outside of Delaware in his entire career, right? And now you lose to him. He doesn't want to believe he's not president anymore. And when the raid happened, I had a bunch of people say to me, well, why do you think he kept the documents? Is he going to sell them to a foreign government? Is he going to blackmail somebody? I'm like, you people are nuts. You don't know Donald Trump. This is all about showing off. (laughs) That's all it's about. He wants to walk around Mar-a-Lago and Smug comes down there at his normal table, down there at (laughs) Mar-a-Lago with shades on and all the rest. And he goes, hey, Smug, I got a document here. Oh, classified. I shouldn't show you. 
but I got it. That, that's why I always have my lawyer with me when I go to events like this. Like, <laughs> I didn't see anything. Is that correct? Very important. Is that, is that right, McDaniel? Very important. Right? And, and that's, that's why he kept them, because he wanted to continue to pretend to be president. Think about this. He would ship the documents to Bedminster for summer vacation. Like they're a friggin' family member. Oh, we're going off for summer vacation. Don't forget the documents. <laughs> What's he doing with the documents all summer? Here's an alert to him. You are no longer president. You don't need to have the documents around you anymore. You don't need them. You're out. It's absurd. My question is, do you see, though, how so many conservatives see this not as an issue of a specific incident involving Donald Trump, but of a question of equal protection under the law when it comes to well, you, you brought up, of course, Donald Trump isn't going to sell these to a foreign adversary, let them, you know, give them to China. Meanwhile, on the opposite end of this, you have Joe Biden's Chinese sponsored think tank holding these, uh, uh, you know, classified documents and nine members of his family, according to the U.S. Treasury, receiving payments from China. Right. So let's prosecute those cases, too. But that's and, the question. So why has any prosecution not happened? Well, well, first of all, on that stuff, it's a little early yet. Uh, you know, this stuff has come to light and prosecutors find out about these things. They're not sitting around all day, you know, digging around to try to find out who they're going to prosecute next. Most of the time, in my experience from having done it for seven years, these things come over the transom. They come in through the door. They're published in a newspaper. That's the way you find them I out. Mean, it's five years and counting for Hunter Biden. Well, that's right. But let me remind all of my Republican conservative friends that the decision on Hunter Biden is in the hands of the U.S. attorney in Delaware who was appointed by Donald Trump. He's the only U.S. attorney in America who's not been fired by the Biden administration. Yeah. They kept him in place. And for this very purpose. So I'm a little more dubious about the, you know, oh, it's, it's political. My guess is he's being a very careful prosecutor who's saying, if I'm going to indict the sitting president's son, I'm going to make sure it's a headshot. And you know what? He should. Mm, mm -hmm. He should. We shouldn't just take a flyer on this stuff. Oh, yeah, right? totally. But my point on, on, the, on the equal protection of the law thing is, of course, we should be arguing that. But the two arguments can be separated. You can say, this seems to me to be more aggressive treatment of Donald Trump than it was of Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, and that's why you need a president who has been a prosecutor, who knows this, you could guarantee, I guarantee you this, whatever attorney general I would pick would not allow any of this bullshit to happen. <laughs> Just not. Well, who would you think would be a good attorney general? Well, of Just course. Just throwing names out Well, there. of course you. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't, want, I didn't want to announce that today. <laughs> but since you brought it up, I think obviously you would be at least in the final three. That is, um, you're going to tank the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> but, but look, I, the good thing about the career that I've had is I've gotten to meet and know a lot of really good, serious people that also know how I like things done. And if you look back on my career as U.S. Attorney in New Jersey, we did 130 political corruption prosecutions in seven years against Republicans and Democrats. Man, that's a big number. Only in Jersey can right? you get over and, 100 and, of those, and, huh? And by the way, we feel like we missed some. Um, <laughs> I, in fact, I know I did. Bob Menendez still, <laughs> still walks free. <laughs> I can't completely answer that without <laughs> violating Rule 6E, but you know, we'll just leave it at that. I, 
And and we won every one of them. We're 130 and 0. And you are not going to find anybody in New Jersey who's going to say that any of those prosecutions were political. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to say it. Yeah, I mean, look, that's your reputation. So, so my point is, like, what we'll have, Smug, is an attorney general. And, and in fact, I got off CNN last night. I went back to the makeup room, taking the makeup off. And, and this guy, Ellie Honig, is one of the people who is giving commentary at CNN. Now, Ellie Honig actually wound up working in my attorney general's office um, when I was there. A big Democrat. I actually hired his wife when I was U.S. attorney. And his wife worked for me um, and became first assistant during the Trump administration. She's Republican. So he says last night, though, I worked for a period of time in the governor's attorney general's office. He said, I will tell you what he used to say to us all the time. If we'd call over to the governor's office and say, want to give you a heads up, there's this criminal investigation, whatever. He would say to us all the time, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't care. Go and do your job. Hmm. That's what a president needs to do. Yeah. Pick someone who's competent and who is tough and has your philosophy and then stay out of it. That's what I do. And that's the way we'd start to break the fever, including getting rid of people in DOJ who, quite frankly, have been there too long mm-hmm. and who need to get, get, get moved out. So if you want to prosecute the case against Donald Trump on the debate stage, you know, I saw the CNN uh, town hall. I think he did a great job. Um, you know, the first debate's supposed to be in August. Yep. Right? Uh, what happens if he doesn't show up? You prosecute it anyway. Yeah. And that'll drive me even more crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine him sitting at Mar-a-Lago in front of the TV set, out on bail? Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. As we're sitting here right now, he... I want people to understand this. Yeah. As we are sitting here right now, he's being arrested. Yeah. He's being arrested by the FBI. They're going to set bail for Donald Trump. So I say it flippantly, but it's but that's actually it's true. unbelievable that we're in a situation like this. But it'll you know it'll drive him crazy. Can you imagine him having to listen to me for 90 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Where every time they come to me, uh, they ask me a question, you know, about farm policy and I give 15 seconds on farm policy and they go, "Let me tell you something else <laughs> about Donald Trump." And you just beat him senseless. And he and all he's doing is pounding on that loser, you know, social media app he has, True Social, which he's required to because he's on the grift on that too, and on the take, and he's posting those things, and that's the only response he can have. You know what that tells me? He'll be at debate number two. So even if he skips number one, he'll be at debate number. So is that two. your prediction that he's not going to show the first one? No, I think he's going to show right from the beginning because I think his ego tells him because guys like you. Other people in the media are going to be saying, and Mick Mulvaney, I saw Mick Mulvaney give three interviews last week where he said, I know from speaking to him, he's afraid of Chris Christie. (laughs) Now, can you imagine how Trump reacts to that? Not well. Here's Mulvaney, his former chief of staff, saying he's afraid of me. I think he hears that enough, and there's enough of a drumbeat on that. He's going to want to prove to everybody he's not. Mm -hmm. And so, to me... Which you love that, right? Of course. Because guess what? (laughs) That this proposition is heads I win, tails you lose. You show up, I'm gonna beat you. You don't show up, I'm gonna beat you. Whichever you prefer. It's a pretty good strategy. I like it. I think it's airtight. I want to ask specifics on that. Speaking of strategy and looking forward, describe your path. How how, how do you get to to the nomination? Mm. That's it. The person who kills the king becomes the king. 
not the people who are sitting around in the court hoping, well, maybe I can inherit his voters if he implodes on his own, or maybe I could be vice president, or maybe I could be secretary of state, or maybe I could be secretary of commerce or attorney general. That's what this, this field is filled with those people. You're, you're not going to go put a truth social hat down in the courtroom in Miami and no. give a press conference in I, front of it? Yeah, I was, I was, you know, I was intending to do that today, but when I got this invitation, <laughs> the, the Miami trip got blown out of the water. I said, "You gotta set priorities." Ramaswamy stole your thunder, man. Right? He told it, and, and he sent me a letter saying that he wants me to either commit to pardoning Trump on January twentieth, twenty twenty-five. Or to explain to him why I won't. Explain to, to Vivek. V to Vivek. Vivek. Right? And and my answer to that is, who? You are who? <laughs> and like, stop. Like, please. I'm not explaining anything to you. Unless you say you're actively considering voting for me. And then I will, you know, speak to you like I speak to every other voter. Assuming that you're going to vote for yourself, I don't have any time for you. And your stupid stunts. Will you tell us whether you'd pardon him? I won't. No? No. Look. What I said was, I got asked this question in New Hampshire, and I said, look, I have a hard time believing that I would pardon anybody who I felt was given a full and fair trial. Now, we got to see that. What so, about like Jerry Ford style, right? I mean. Well, here's the difference and, the, and what gets me completely out of this seemingly difficult question from you, Josh. <laughs> Did I box you in? It appears okay. to the uneducated okay all right and you've boxed me in okay but here's the thing you know that when you're pardoned whether it's by a governor or by a president you have to as part of accepting the pardon you must accept your guilt what are the chances that donald j trump will ever say yes i was guilty so i can be pardoned i think I don't have to worry about this too much. <laughs> That's an interesting answer. I, I don't think so. But I'd say the overwhelming likelihood is I would not pardon him. But, you know, I got to see the trial mm -hmm. and make a determination whether I think he got a fair shot. Mm -hmm. Now, I think, I think the prosecutors made a very smart decision for confidence in the justice system to have brought it in Florida. That is the obvious place where it should be brought. The crimes that were alleged to be committed happened in Florida. And if they had brought it in Washington, it would look like they were stacking the deck. Mm -hmm. They would have had to undergo really questionable jurisdictional arguments. Oh, totally. May yeah. not have won. And secondly, and more importantly, people would have thought they were stacking the deck on the jury pool. This way, he's in the Southern District of Florida. There are some better jurisdictions that they could have brought it in for Trump. But not, not where a crime was being committed. Mm. so they have they to me that's a display of confidence by the prosecutors mm. they're like fine you want a florida jury we got this we're good <laughs> and i think and i think that's the right way to do it because it's where it belongs mm -hmm. let's not look like we're playing games with this give him an absolute which is what he's entitled to under the constitution the presumption of innocence the government meeting their burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt and a full fair trial where he's able to present whatever defense he wants to present mm -hmm. and then let's let the jury decide and i look um if i thought that any part of that was unfair and i was president that's one of the big things you got to consider about a pardon if you think someone was treated fairly by the judicial system if you don't then i think the pardon power is something you got to consider but i have a hard time believing that that'll happen mm -hmm. and that that'll be a a real decision i'll be confronted mm -hmm. with so, oh, John. 
Well, so you would you let me go fast forward. You're president of the United States. Thank you. When you when you were governor of New Jersey, you fired people that deserve to be fired. Yes, sir. And I'm just wondering if looking at this entire administration, besides Joe Biden, who do you think deserves to be fired? Oh, wow. Well, the entire cabinet deserves to go, obviously. And I think that what I'd say to each cabinet officer is, I want you to go four and five layers down beneath you and interview all of the leadership in every one of these departments and agencies and and make an evaluation. We did this in New Jersey. When we went through transition in New Jersey, I picked people for the cabinet that I thought would be willing to follow that program. And then we had actually what we used to call red-green meetings. I had red-green meetings twice a week in the first nine months of the administration where every department had to come in and go five layers down, and next to that person's name was either red or green. It was their recommendation. Red was fire, green was keep. And they had a justified- Did you give them like a little rock doing. or something so you could add some theatrics to it? No, uh, my theatrics was I would often swear <laughs> at like, are no. you kidding me? <laughs> um, with some of the suggestions. In and New Jersey? I find that so you know, hard to it's, believe. It's, it's a highbrow place. <laughs> <laughs> and we do what we need to do. So I would take the same approach in the in the federal government. There's many more than in New Jersey. And so I don't know that I'd be sitting at every red-green meeting as president. But what I would delegate to a chief of staff and to a, you know to the various policy areas and as, you know, national security advisor, domestic policy advisors, say, I want you to sit with the cabinet. I want you to go through a five-level down examination of these folks. And if they deserve to go, come to me with legal justification as to how we can do it. And we need to do that because I think that there's become a, a permanency to the federal bureaucracy mm -hmm. that will gum up mm. things you're trying to do. Yeah, And they figure they can outweigh you. They were here when you got here, they'll be here when you left. So based on everything that you've seen over the last couple of years, do you think that your staff would give you a red or a green on the director of the FBI? A green, I do. Look, I know him, I know him well. And I give that disclaimer. He was my lawyer during Bridgegate. Mm -hmm. So this is not a guy who I like read about in the newspaper. I know Chris Ray, and I've watched what he's done. This is a guy who got rid of every member of the Comey leadership team, mm -hmm. every one of them. And, and he didn't read about most of it. You know why? Because unlike Jim Comey, he doesn't give a damn about being on television mm -hmm. or being in the newspapers. He got rid of every one of those people. The FBI's recruitment in terms of new agents wanting to come in, they are higher than they've ever been. And I believe it's because they feel, agents in law enforcement feel like they've got a professional in charge of the FBI now. And I said this last night, I got asked this question last night, and I said, look, but one thing Chris would know is that he would have an attorney general who had my sensibilities as his new boss. Mm. And if Chris didn't follow that direction, well, then he'd have to go. Mm. But. I have to tell you, you know, an FBI director having skirmishes with Congress about what to produce and not produce is hardly a new thing. No. And the executive branch fighting about whether they should give certain things to Congress is hardly a new thing. If it was a Republican administration, we'd be like, damn right, don't give it to them. Mm -hmm. You know, like if this was Nancy Pelosi's house and it's Donald Trump in the White House and they want stuff from Chris Ray, and Chris Ray goes, because mm, I know it's hard to believe, but I don't think you can really trust these guys not to leak things <laughs> that might be sensitive. I think Chris has excellent judgment. 
He is doing his job for the right reasons. He's got a very even temperament. And he's somebody who is as smart as any lawyer I've ever met. Mm. So the answer is, if they came to me with a red, they'd have to, you got to lay out the case for me then. Mm. And it, don't talk to me about politics. Politics is my job. So if I decide as president to keep Chris Ray, and people say there's going to be a political cost to pay for that, I may decide it's a political cost I'm willing to pay mm -hmm. in order to keep somebody there who I think is really competent, qualified, has integrity, and all the rest. Mm. Some people may agree or disagree, and that won't be the only personnel decision they'll agree or disagree with. But that's the way I'd go about it. So um, you, you, it was actually pretty recently that you announced... Uh, your campaign for president. Yes, it was. And on that day, a week ago today, a week ago tonight, I, I'm a little disappointed you weren't in New Hampshire. <laughs> Lazy bastard. It's, it's, but okay, it's outrageous. There was, you know, you want to be attorney general? And you don't even show up in New Hampshire. <laughs> you're three of you're three on a one two three list right now, Spock. <laughs> but Red uh, Rock's coming. On, yep. on your launch day, there was some commentary uh, that went viral. I wanted to read it to you and, and get your thoughts. Okay. This is from U.S. Senator Marco Rubio. He said, <laughs> any political Why did I know? It's, it's like two minutes before we see you said hard stop. And I almost got out of here without talking about poor Marco. So basically he was, he said that, you know, you didn't end his campaign. Have you guys, is there still an animosity there? Is, do you think he's there, still hurt? Look, has he, has he contacted you to try to bury Marco, Marco and I have spoken a number of times since 2016. I mean, we're not like regular, like drinking buddies. But Marco and I have talked about issues. We've talked about politics in the last, you know, seven years. Um, so there's no animosity. At least not on my end, there's any animosity. And I never perceived there was any on Marco's end. That tweet did raise some concerns for me because <laughs> I thought this was long over. And I think I heard on this program that there's only two people left in America who care about this. Apparently now Marco Rubio and you. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, it's, it's you know, it. look, I, I'm comfortable smug with people going to YouTube, looking it up, watching again, maybe even today, and deciding for your own what happened, what didn't happen, and all the rest. Thank and I'll you. leave it at that. Thank you, Governor. Last thing I would do is relax. if you like it, Go to chrischristie.com. <laughs> Last thing I want to do is the lightning round. 40,000 donors. <laughs> so we, we, we want to try this out first time. This is the lightning round. I'm going to read you a name, and I instantly want the first word or thought that comes. Yeah, just thought. It doesn't need to be one word. Just whatever comes to mind. Vivek Ramasalmi. I don't get it. Asa Hutchinson. Really good guy. Donald Trump. Disqualified to be president. Nikki Haley. Nice person. Chris Christie? The man. <laughs> Glenn Youngkin? Good governor. And Ron DeSantis? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. I like that. Just right on the fly. Yeah. Look, I I don't BS around with you guys. No, you don't. You, you come don't. into the program, you gotta you gotta bring it. You gotta you have and to bring you it. You don't need these politicians who come in here and like have their talking points in front of them, they're calculating, they're wondering, is this good? Is this we bad? make them do shots when they bring talking points. Look, and I know this much. <laughs> There's something I just said in the last 30 minutes or so that someone's gonna call me and go when you put this up. You, what? You said what? <laughs> But I've done this on this program a number of times yeah. now. So it's like, okay, you know, I know what I'm in for and and I enjoy it. That's why I come here because you guys get it. Like in the end, what I what I love about the team I have around me, and I love the fact that I've had the same team around me for 14 years, 
is that like we get it so i'll give you one quick example last night cnn very structured this stuff and they said okay at the first commercial break you can leave the stage and go out into this little hallway here your consultants will be out there and then they can talk to you about whatever else you'd like to do in the next segment um and it'll be some privacy here okay so we do the first segment i go off the stage mike duhame and maria camella are standing there and i go "Uh uh-huh and they go we don't have anything to say. They told us we had to come here. <laughs> we don't really have anything to say to you. And do you have a question? And I said, no. And Maria says, well, or no, Mike says, well, I feel like I, I need to say something. So be yourself. <laughs> and Maria looks at me. She goes, yeah, let Christy be Christy. And I'm like, thank you. And there's a woman there. Um, a, a makeup artist named Yoko, and she's standing there waiting to retouch up my makeup. So she's standing. She's the only other person in the hallway. So I go, thanks, guys. And they they walk out, and I turn to Yoko. I go, hey, Yoko, can you believe I pay for that? <laughs> I pay for that. I pay for that friggin' advice. Be yourself. Let Christy be Christy. And so the next two breaks we had, I said to them, look, as they were leaving, I said, don't come back here yeah, I'm good. during the break. You stay in the green room. I said, as long as you don't eat all, eat all the fruit and you leave some of it for me, when I get back, I said, you can stay in the green room the rest of the time. And that was it. Very kind. Yeah, so, you know, that's the great thing about people around you who are not worried about you being anything other than yourself. Mm-hmm. And in this campaign, what people are going to learn again, and I think renewed again, because I've been away for a while, is this is who I am. And maybe it's going to be their cup of tea and maybe I'm going to be the nominee. And if I'm the nominee, I guarantee you, boys, I'm going to be president. But, you know, or maybe I won't be. And anybody who tells you they know what's going to happen is crazy Mm. because there's so much stuff to happen between now and Iowa and New Hampshire. Nobody knows. And so I'm just going to go out there and, you know, do what I do and give people a vision for what I think the country could be. We'll see what they buy or they don't. Well, you've been doing it well. I got to get you out of here, but here's the last thing. Have you thought any more about the biggest animal that you think you can take down? Like, Smug's got the horse, right? And I think he's the horse would kick his ass. No way. No chance. He thinks he, he thinks they're soft animals. It, it's, it depends on the horse. Dressage horses especially. I mean, they're soft. So you're going after Romney's horse? <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing. Are you going to assault Ann Romney's horses? I mean, will you never give up your grudge for the loss in 2012? It's outrageous. Please. I'm going to start a fund to protect Mitt Nance horses. <laughs> it's just outrageous. I'm, I, you know, you're now down to four on the attorney general. <laughs> the biggest animal I get. Now, look. We, I mean, this I'm is, 60 now. I'm going to ask everybody. I know. I'm 60 now. I think that the biggest animal I could probably take down would be some type of wolf. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty fierce. That's now, they're not big. Yeah. Well, but they got sharp teeth. They're mean. And they can be big. Timber wolves, they're big. Right. But, but, but as we already established, I'm big, too. <laughs> <laughs> and... and and I'm tough. You got to get inside. And, on that and I'm a, no, this is what you do. Okay. okay? Yeah. I, I got the strategy for it because I knew this is you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> so you you let it in. You let the wolf in. They're getting ready to go. And you do what you would do in New Jersey. You kick that thing right between the legs. <laughs> Shots for a moment. You then dive on it. And as every good New Jerseyan has, 
You got some piano wire in your pocket. <laughs> and you just garrot that SOB. And it's over. It's over. Foolproof method. I couldn't do it with a horse too big. But to me, it's the kick between the legs. Jump on them. Use your size. And then just, you know, no, pull, pull a Clemenza in, in Godfather 1. I was going to say, know. Sicilians can handle horses, you know. Only Luca Brasi can handle the horse. You can see Sonny out there killing the horse, right? You know, I, it would be like, you know, that scene. He's sitting in the back seat. He goes, hello, Carlo. Right? Carlo's up there getting ready to go to Vegas, he thinks. Not so much. Before you know it. He's got the, the, the fate of the wolf. <laughs> I don't know whether you're going to be president or not. I do know that it's going to be very, very difficult to beat that animal answer. That is as good as it gets. I'm telling you, I think, I hope that my adversaries in this race um, give some thought to it. And, and don't let their consultants give them the answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you could see one of them, and I'm not going to say which one, but I have one in mind who would come in and say, I love all animals. And... <laughs> And I mean, I could play around with you if you like, but I, the thought of killing an animal just, I don't think that's what America wants right now, Josh, It's for animals to be killed. I think that would be one response. I have another candidate in mind whose response would be, I'd kill all the animals. <laughs> My state is where animals go to die. I won't say which one, oh, which candidate oh, that is. I feel like, but I I feel like we could guess. I, I, again, don't guess because it no. would be, you know, because then I, I might feel obligated to answer and that would be inappropriate. It would be inappropriate. inappropriate. But I think... We'll leave it as a mystery. If you give some thoughtfulness yeah, when you come in here. Well, that's what we're here treat for. Treat the program with the care it should be treated with, then I think you'd be fine. Well, let me it. just tell you something. I guarantee you this. You elect me president of the United States, there's going to be one less wolf in America. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love it. Listen, Chris Christie, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, if people want to follow along and help you out, where do they go? ChrisChristie.com. we got to get to 40,000 donors by about August 20th or so. A dollar, five dollars, whatever it is, whatever you want to give, or... Like for someone with the cash you carry around, Josh, you can give them the federal maximum of thirty three hundred. And if Smug wants to be attorney general, don't be on the don't be on the low side, okay? So I'll say to you, I'm not giving you a number that would be untoward, but you're on the low side. It's not going to be good. It's not good. ChrisChristie.com, and we make it easy for you. Right? It's Thank easy. You. Thank you, Governor. Appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. So you're the best. I appreciate it. And once again, I want to remind you. You are making me so popular with my wife because <laughs> she's the she, because she's I'm the telling best. you, she goes to exercise class at 7 a.m. And if it's a day when you guys have posted, she is listening to it on the way to her class. And then she's out of that class and she's listening to it on the way back. And then she's walking into the kitchen and she's probably two thirds of the way through the show. And she's like, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. She is a fan. I don't know if she's the number one fan, but she is certainly... A very committed. Woman. Well, we love her. Mary Pat's the best. Thank right. you so much, Thank Gavin. you guys.